Thank you so very much for your testimony. I want to thank the entire panel of witnesses for their testimony. I'm going to remind members that the Committee Rule 3D imposes a five-minute limit on questions. Uh, the chair will now be recognizing members for questions they may wish to ask the witnesses. I would note at the outset that President Nez was unable to uh, remain with us. As you heard him comment, there is flooding. He is out um, uh, addressing the flooding with his people. And also, President uh, Francis has a hard stop and must leave at 3.30. Um, so I will begin by uh, recognizing myself for three minutes, uh, you, I mean for five minutes. The, uh, you know, we have heard from our witnesses that advanced appropriations, it's a civil rights issue. We just heard that. It is um, a fiscally responsible issue. It will in many ways save money because you will be able to make the decisions in advance. It is essential in order to keep the providers that we have and that are committed to work in the IHS facilities. It is important for direct service tribes. Um, so we have heard nothing but commentary that actually supports this. Every single one of our witnesses, our majority witnesses, our minority witnesses, everybody is in support of this approach. Um, uh, President uh, Francis, um, the, you pointed out that the president's fiscal year 2020 budget request notably called for advance appropriations for the Indian Health Service. Can you speak to what that means to you in terms of this historic nature of this request? Certainly, and thank you for the question, Madam Chair. Um, you know, the president's requests for both fiscal year 22 and 23 are historic. Um, you know, with regard to the advanced appropriations, it just shows that the administration understands how CRs, shutdown sequestrations, all of that have an impact on the healthcare delivery in Indian country. Uh, we appreciate that they took action immediately to include this this proposal in its budget request. You know, I think as you've heard from all the witnesses today, when you talk about a system that um, at best exaggeration is funded at about 50 percent of need, um, tribes have to get extremely creative with their health care throughout the fiscal year um, in terms of um, meeting the needs of an extremely disadvantaged um, population that's dealing with unprecedented disparities. So many times um, tribal nations are faced with um, with having to deal with life or limb situations as they get later into the fiscal year, um, putting preventative care and often some in some instances urgent care um, to the side to focus on on real life-threatening things uh, to be able to utilize their resources. But, and this also prolongs, you know, a lot um, or, or actually uh, exasperates a lot of other issues in terms of, you know, the opioid epidemic that's ravaging um, Indian country with prolonged pain management because of the inability to get this care. And so uh, a lot of effects to this, but, uh, but this is a historic approach. And I think the administration understands that, um, that, you know, advanced appropriations for IHS is a is a great short term solution as we continue our conversation towards uh, mandatory funding as we move forward. 
Thank you very much, President. It also strikes me, I have spent the last um, many, many months fighting to keep our world VA clinics open in New Mexico as they had been uh, recommended that they be closed. And providing healthcare to our veterans is a service that they have earned. It is not something that we do out of, we think it's a nice thing. They have earned that service. And so it's important and essential that we provide them that and that we not just sort of say thank you for your service, but that we actually provide them with the services they need. You know, as we heard today, uh, we've already done this. We've already gone through this process with regards to the VA. Um, and I guess I would ask my, uh, I want to maybe ask each of the witnesses uh, in, a, in a single sentence, do you think there is any difference in the trust obligation that is owed to our Native American citizens than that obligation that we owe to our veterans for their service? Um, I'll start, uh, 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 Fawn Sharp. Yes, absolutely. There's uh, there's a difference. These are promises and commitments made by our ancestors. And when they signed those treaties, they bargained one thing, uh, health care for our, our future generations. And of all the bargains, that's the one thing we don't have. And so uh, to me, it's a, it's, a, it's a commitment that is much different. And, and there's uh, authority and responsibility. Yes, it's, it's different. Uh, 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 the Honorable Chair, Michael Erickson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I missed part of the question. What was the question? Well, it, was, it was the idea that if we owe veterans, which I believe we do, health care services, um, that isn't it very, we also owe the same services to Indian, um, to our Native Americans. But I have run out of time, and I am going to be respectful of the fact yes. that I, uh, the clock applies to the chair as well. Uh, and we will ask, I'll submit those questions in writing. And I would also point out that if anyone has questions um, for President Nez, we may also submit those in writing. I will now recognize the ranking member, Obanolti. Well, thank you, Madam Chair, and thank you to all our witnesses. You know, we've heard a recurrent theme throughout this hearing, which is the incredible difficulties that we put on the tribes when we fund IHS through continuing resolutions or through, God forbid, government shutdowns and uh, the, the often catastrophic impacts that those decisions that are made here in DC have in Indian country. Uh, I found those stories to be incredibly poignant and uh, the, my line of questioning is gonna explore further some of the things that were in uh, the written testimony from some of our witnesses. So let me start with Chairman Erickson. In your written testimony, you related a story that I just found uh, amazingly tragic and heartbreaking, which is that members of your tribe and even members of your tribal council have been referred to collection agencies as a result of IHS's failure to pay its provider medical bills. Uh, could you tell us more about that situation? Because it's, it's almost unbelievable that we would put you in that, in that situation. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's just ruined people's credit in, in a lot of cases, you know, even myself included. Um, more, I mean, even more importantly, it's ruined a lot of our elders who are on a fixed incomes credit, you know, right? So when they're going to apply for things, even like home loans or for a vehicle or whatever it may be, and it, you know, impacts their credit, it's just, it hurts them and it, it continues to hurt them, right? Because it's not just a, it's not just a gets better right away. It takes a while to build your credit back up. And uh, additionally, um, you know, I just, I, 
I just want to talk to a little bit about the PRC that you talked about earlier. I, I think we've really lost some tribal members, and it's probably across the native country that just because they haven't gotten the care that they need, like I talked about, and when I was uh, speaking earlier about not having the uh, uh, access to our providers, you know, we've had people with dental problems that went years without getting those fixes. We haven't had dentists, we haven't had physicians for healthcare. I mean, uh, and so, and one thing I want to uh, question on and just ask or two is make a statement is. From what I understand, they go through the IHS process that they're not supposed to go after our personal credit, that that is IHS's responsibility, that that does not fall on the individual. And they should never even contact the individual to uh, report to their credit. So if that's not something that has been looked at, I would hope that was something that we would look at in the future because it should not impact from the trust, you know, federal responsibility of IHS. This should not impact our tribal members and affect their credit down the road. And just in general, so thank I, you. I, you know what? I, I think you'll get no disagreement from the dais here because you're, as uh, I know Colville is a direct service tribe, mm -hmm. and as a direct service tribe, the responsibility for payment of the service is not on the tribal members. It's on IHS. So, uh, you know, it's a problem that we have to solve. Uh, let me go to Ms. Unok. I, I found your testimony very compelling. I want to tunnel down on something that you were talking about in your written testimony uh, about the joint venture construction program where the tribes invest in the development of building facilities and in exchange the IHS commits to staffing those facilities. In your written testimony you were talking about what a disastrous impact continuing resolutions have on the uh, joint venture construction program. Can you elaborate a little bit on that for us? Um, yes, thank you for the question. An example of an adverse impact on uncertainty with funding in the CR is definitely the IHS Joint Venture Construction Program, where tribes invest in the development of building facilities. In exchange, IHS will commit to requesting staffing for, for those facilities. IHS uh, currently estimates the current backlog of needed funding for construction will take 400 years to clear if it is all done with federal funding. Uh, tribes and tribal organizations cannot wait this out, uh, whether it be via the joint venture program or otherwise. Continuing resolutions represent uh, uncertainty in lending for tribes, needing to take advantage of the joint venture program and other forms of construction. This uncertainty sometimes results in a downgrade to their credit rating levels, thus a higher interest rate for them, uh, increasing the cost of financing for our tribes and tribal health organizations. Again, advance appropriations would be a helpful solution. Thank you. Well, thank you. And uh, it's, it's also heartbreaking to hear you talk about uh, downgrading of individual tribal members' credit scores as a result of essentially Washington's failure to honor its commitments to you. So that's something I'm sure that uh, everyone here on the dais is very concerned about and something we'll be working on in the future. So I see my time's expired here, but thank you very much to our witnesses. It's been a fascinating hearing. I yield back. Thank you. The chair will now rec recognize Representative McCullum for five minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, uh, I had a meeting scheduled with uh, Leech Lake and from Minnesota, and they send their they send their greetings to the, the the testifiers and to the committee. And thank you, Madam Chair, for having this important hearing. Um, I just want to you know kind of because I've worked on this from the appropriations angle. 
Um, when we give the uh, Interior Appropriations Committee a target number that includes EPA, it includes um, USGS, US Geological Services, it includes a lot of things that this committee has oversight on um, with authorization. And there's just we've we've steadily increased the money, and I think I think the, the 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 tribal leaders here who have thanked us for doing it, but we are still falling so far short. And uh, so just even doing this bit of making it an advanced appropriation for two years to provide some certainty, uh, some commitment to always uplift to our obligation that we have as a federal government to provide health care is so important. But, you know, tribes have had to go to court um, to, you know, get get referred uh, care cover. I remember being in a, a tribal community and a woman had had hip surgery and then she was told there was no money for therapy. So when you sit in a when you sit in a wheelchair after you have hip surgery and you don't get the therapy, that hip surgery uh, doesn't open up your life the way it could, and you're in chronic pain. I would just maybe if people would uh, quickly just maybe give one example of either how the current system contributes to the report broken promises. Or if you um, had a federal cost that you never got reimbursed from um, during the last uh, shutdown or something um, that, that you would, would like to share, just to drive the point home more if we're able to get this bill on the floor and move forward. And I want to thank um, the, uh, uh, the gentleman from um, Montana. Your name's not showing up on my screen, and um, but um, you... Uh, you pointed out some really good things that happen with uh, urban care in uh, in one part of the conversation, but then you talked about what happens in rural rural constituencies in Montana. My, my grandfather was from Montana, so I get that. But I also, maybe you would like to, to mention, how many of your tribal members are also veterans? Because we were talking about our obligation to veterans, but tribes serve, uh, tribal enrolled members serve at a greater proportion um, than any other group uh, does in our armed services. Do you have veterans that that kind of, they can't get to a VA system and then you don't have what they need at, at uh, IHS? Mr. Erickson? Sorry, I'm from Washington. I thought there was someone else. Oh, from I'm, I'm sorry. Like I'm sorry. I've, I've got bad. I've got bad um, notes. Well, Washington State still would have some so, of the same same issues. Yeah, we have a lot of veterans. My grandpa included, and he was a fluent speaker. Obviously, there was like the Navajo Nation, right, with code talkers that you know were utilized uh, during the World War. That you know they do have a lot harder time finding services here. But I'm just going to the fact that I have armed service people in my family as well that have served, including my grandpa and. Um, yeah, they've had a lot. Of, he had a lot of issues, and he kind of passed away from some of those issues as well. Just to elaborate on some, and some was cancer related, but it couldn't get he get, couldn't get seen early enough. And I, I think it was part of it was a direct result of some of this. So um, there's not a lot of and being in a rural setting, not a lot of VA uh, services that are provided as it is, right? And so then they have not IHS understaffed, and not have enough people to even get them in to see anybody or not, no, you know, not having return calls, all these things affect our elders and affect our veterans and in our membership. 
So President Sharp, we're gonna run out of room, uh, uh, out of time, because I can see the, the the timer going. But if you if you would help us, I think, and and the other uh, tribal leaders uh, here with just uh, you know one or two examples of either where funding wasn't, um, you know, recovered because of the shutdown or a service that, that was denied. Because if we take this to the floor, as we can see, um, the Republicans on this committee are, are very eager to, to work in a nonpartisan fashion to address this, but we will have some convincing to do on the floor, unfortunately. And the more stories we can share, the better. And with your role um, and, uh, you know, Mr. Kirk's role uh, and, uh, you know, Ms. Rosette, um, and of course, Navajo Nation being uh, such a large uh, representation of tribal members, I think you can tell some very powerful stories for us. Yes, thank you. I, I think one of the quickest examples I could think of uh, just off the top of my head is when we're confronting with shutdowns, uh, oftentimes contracts come to an end. So to try to procure a fill-in a medical provider, oftentimes the cost is exponentially higher. And so we have to fill the gap with the shutdowns and in, in the disruption of services with more expensive short-term contracts. And that in turn takes budget uh, dollars away from direct services to our citizens. So we're paying uh, very expensive contracts to fill the gaps uh, for medical providers. Well, thank you, Madam Chair. I know I'm over my time, but please, please share stories. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, and uh, you know, I would encourage our, our witnesses to provide those stories in writing. Um, the chair will now recognize uh, our, the gentleman from Illinois, Representative Garcia. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. Uh, and of course, to our witnesses uh, and in the second panel, uh, Ms. Rosette, uh, can you share uh, why Congress should pass the Indian Health Service Advanced Appropriations Act and why it's so critical for urban Indian organizations? Yes, actually, um, I, I gave you a part of the answer when I testified as well. As, um, during the previous shutdown, um, because we because um, we because there are not advanced appropriations, our facilities, the urban facilities, a lot of them were in dire straits. There were none of them. We were all talking at the time. I know several of them had to shut down. Several had to lay off people. Several had to cut programs and cut hours. The the most the most poignant example is um, Native American Lifelines, where they had seven people that had were behavioral health issues and um, had died from suicide, and they that's when they were shut down. So. Those are those are very um, real stories of what happened during the shutdown, and it's it's not about it's not about money. It's about saving our relatives, our aunts and uncles, and and grandmas and grandpas who are never going to tell those stories to their grandchildren during the. And we can never recover that. Thank you uh, for driving that point home. Uh, you mentioned that your urban Indian organization alone has experienced slow funding disbursements. And, and it still has millions of dollars of critical outstanding uh, COVID-19 funding. Can you walk us through what steps and sacrifices you've been forced to take to fill these gaps? Yes, um, well, it's been about when the ARPA funds came out, it was over a year and a half ago, we were, um, we were supposed to get around $12.5 million 
And a portion of that, and we've been trying, even before COVID-19, we had planned on building a children and youth um, services center. We had the property and we're, we're, we're trying to build the building. And so um, part of the money that we've been waiting on is for the construction of that building, which is going to serve uh, our Native kids that are su they're actually suffering more after COVID-19. And we haven't been able to do that because of the lapse or how long it's taken for the funding to come through. So now we're just now we have seven. We're still waiting on approximately seven million dollars, um, but we're trying to get this construction pro process started so that we can build this building for our kids and their fa and families, and then potentially, potentially um, add more services for the rest of our community. But that's what that's what we've had to do is wait on providing necessary services for our people. So uh, if I understand you correctly, there's an added urgency as we enter what we hope is the post-COVID-19 period, given everything that people have endured uh, uh, during that time? Absolutely. Thank you very much. I don't have uh, any further questions. Uh, I appreciate you being on the panel today and to all the panelists, of course. Uh, Madam Chair, I yield back. Thank you so much. I really do want to thank uh, each of the panelists. I want to welcome. I see President Nez uh, has has returned, um, and uh, you know we just received uh, welcome news. The Senate released its proposed appropriation bill text today. Currently, the base text includes advanced appropriations for IHS, including facilities. So that is the actual issue of today's testimony. I think we're all very pleased. We will work very hard in the House to make sure that we keep that and do whatever we believe will be necessary to continue to support that. Um, the joint ventures, uh, I helped build two different um, joint venture health facilities, and we need to make sure that whether you're uh, doing it through joint venture or whether you are on the priority list, that we get these facilities built and then that we fund them because it is an obligation that we have. I want to thank everybody who participated today. Thank you, uh, ranking member, and for your uh, members' insightful questions. Um, I want to remind everybody that uh, the record, um, where's my ending? <laughs> I want to remind everybody that they may submit uh, questions for the record, and I request that my the uh, witnesses respond um, to those questions. And with that, uh, this hearing is adjourned.